This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. McGregor retires. International Fight Week headliners are announced. Another highlight reel knockout for Anthony Showtime Pettis. Tyron Woodley versus Robbie Lawler, two in the works. And Cejudo gets the next opportunity to be a champ champ in the UFC. He'll be taking on Marlon Rice, UFC 238 in Chicago. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I good, just good. came from the gym, and I like the compliment you gave me, so thank you. Yeah, looking all swole today. Looking jacked as always, yes. Yeah, I did some back and triceps, so thank you for that comment. I've been yeah. walking around TSN, like, all buffed up now, so thanks Just for waiting that. for the compliment to come. That's and it. it came as soon as I saw you. I was like, wow. I just keep walking. Yeah. It was only from you. I was yeah. eyeing all the girls down, but no one was looking at me, so we'll see. Ah, they're just they're just nervous. Yeah, they're, People they're busy working here. They're yes, busy exactly. working. It's all business here at TSN. Yeah. So, uh, Conor McGregor, I discussed this on the uh, episode of the podcast that I released yesterday mm-hmm. uh, saying that he's going to retire. You don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. How old were you when you retired? Um, I think I was, how old would I have been? I want to say just before 30. Okay, so you were younger than McGregor. I think I was 29 when okay. I did. Yeah, so why, 29, 30. So why don't you, as somebody who retired at 29, believe him retiring at 30 is Well, I, is I retired for health reasons. It wasn't really for my option. Um, but uh, he's just too smart. He's been, you know, texting and tweeting a lot more lately, and he's been coming out, even calling people out. Recently, you know, he's talking about Uriah Faber wanting a fight. He got Showtime Pettis excited about a potential fight. He got Cowboy Cerrone <laughs> excited for a potential fight. We had heard about Khabib, you know, so there's just so many different things I'm hearing. I just think he's too smart, too much money on the line. Um, and if he is going to retire the way, that's not Connor style. Just a, hey, quick, yeah. quick guys, quick, quick yeah, here, quick folks. announcement. That's not a Connor style. <laughs> he would have had a, bo- a bottle of you know proper twelve, you know, cheering to his career. But uh, yeah, I don't buy it. I think he's up to something. Yeah, I think I was in the vast minority of people that said that. I think that it's a diversion from the New York Times article that came out yesterday. Yeah, that because, was shocked about that. Well, any good uh, outlet in terms of journalism that's worth their salt will contact the people that they're writing a story about saying, we are going to go forward with the story. Uh, do you have anything that you want to say? Do you have a statement or anything? Okay. And they usually will give them a bit of a heads up. So I'm guessing, and Connor has a crisis communications manager. Oh, for sure now. Yeah, well, he, he did back uh, a year ago. But That's the Ray Donovan for those who watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so she, I imagine, said, what can we do to, you know, soften, to soften this blow, to add some cushion to this? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's true or not, regardless. I mean, there's still obviously optics that come along with that kind of a story. Uh, and I, my guess is, you know, just say you're going to retire. That's going to be a bigger sports story. It's going to be be a bigger headline than uh, than the other thing. And it was. Yeah. So you're saying it's that distraction from the bigger truth that's coming out. Well, it's, I, again, I don't. I'm not going to comment on what's truth and what's not truth. It's basically just they knew that this article about an investigation about an alleged assault came out. Yeah, it makes sense. And maybe they did this just to, to soften the blow, to, to, to give... Again, it's all damage control. Yeah. So whether he's sincere about retiring or not is a moot point. It's just you're, you're driving the narrative. If you look at what President Trump does... Uh, <laughs> You know, he'll he'll send tweets all the time about, oh, you know, this guy, Rosie O'Donnell is whatever, blah, blah, blah. Whenever there's, you Some know, actual, actual important news out there that makes the government look 
like they're not doing the right thing. It's all he it's, changes it. And I don't know if he does it on purpose or if he actually has good crisis communications people on his team. But uh, he's kind of a master of diversion, and diversion is important when you're trying to dictate how a story goes. But the issue is when you think when you look at Connor's history, that's where you think like it's possible, right? You mean he doesn't really have emotional control. Like when he gets excited, there's a fight. He's jumping into cages. He's beginning in trouble from running circles as he's cornering people watching, you know, Lobov fight. So I don't think he has that control of himself. So, I mean, with all these allegations, I mean, who knows with him? To yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. It's... And again, I don't really want to comment on something. There's no charges or anything. So, but I think I... Wasn't it wasn't a month ago. He was had some assault at a bar as well. Yes, yeah, in Miami. In, uh, Miami. There you mm-hmm. go. So, I mean, there's, there's always seems to be something. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I, you never know with him. So I, That hearing's actually in It makes sense weeks. what you're saying. Yeah, so... Again, you, I don't think you need like a crisis communications manager to soften the blow of uh, two, you know, two charges of smashing someone's phone. I mean, you smash someone's phone, it happens. It's not yeah, like a big yeah. deal. But what, what the New York Times is reporting is obviously a much, much, much bigger deal. So, uh, again, that's just – as someone with a communications background in terms of education, that's where my brain goes. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Like that's, uh, it's kind of what I brought up last time we talked about uh, Dillashaw. I mean, him relinquishing the title, to me, it's a guilty thing. You know what's funny? Michael Bisping said the same thing this week. Yeah. Has to have he, been. Must, he must listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's it. He listened to me and he <laughs> went with it. But it has to be. Like, you I mean, you work too hard for these things just to give your title up like that. So, I mean, there's always bigger things going on that we don't know about. So, um, we're just, just the last and, uh, to find out. I think Bisping and Dillashaw have the same manager. I think Tiki Ghosh uh, manages both of them, but I, I might be wrong. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Well, anyhow, there's not really much for us to add about Connor. I don't want to talk about the guy's legacy in the sport. We all know all about it. I mean, if you follow mixed martial arts, you know what McGregor has done for uh, the UFC. I guess if you want to look at it from a business standpoint, a lot of people are saying that the UFC has more leverage than they have in the past because of the, the new ESPN deal in terms of the distribution of pay-per-view um, because they're, they're getting some sort of guaranteed money for every pay-per-view, uh, according to a lot of different insider reports. So they're saying that right now, and even Robin Black said this on on RT, uh, the Russian outlet that he uh, does some work for, he thinks that this is the wrong timing for McGregor to try to play a cat and mouse game with the UFC if that was the reason for his retirement. Yeah, I don't know. I think the UFC kind of needs him right now. I think with the ESPN platform, I think they want to show a lot of success on it. And I think in order to do that, you need Conor McGregor, especially with this uh, pay-per-view model for it to work. I think you need a superstar. And the biggest superstar we have in MMA is Conor McGregor. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, actually, from that pers- uh, perspective. If you're ESPN and you've now made this kind of investment in, for seven years in UFC pay-per-views, you don't want to see some numbers yeah. and there's one individual that can guarantee those numbers yeah and it's going to look good on the ufc to say hey look we moved to your platform and this is what we're doing for you guys um so i think it's good on them but i just don't know how this pay-per-view model is going to get these guys to get paid the way they were in the past yeah and that's really been the big question that nobody's willing to answer yeah i mean because all the people i i also just um understood that i think it's only the main event that gets paid on the pay-per-view model. sometimes sometimes it is and sometimes it i guess depending talking about the, the new model i don't know what the new how the new model yeah. works but some of the times it was main and co-main and some of the times it was just main it depends on if the co-main was a championship fight and that person had that kind of that language in their, contract. Yeah, in their contract yeah but i don't know I, I i think it's just um people need to be paid so i know that uh, it's going to be really a sensitive subject especially for conor mcgregor there's even talks for the only reason for him to want to come back is to get some shares in the company as well which i can't see the ufc doing as well no, dana white has come out and said that's not going to happen he's been saying that for a while and co-promoting i don't see it happening no. either 
No, although he did get the proper 12 on the uh, on the canvas, on the canvas yeah. for every time he competes. So that's sort of a co-promotion. Not really a co-promotion, but it's, it's, but it's something. Enough. It's, yeah. something. it's something new that yeah. a fighter's putting his own label and, and brand on the mat. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Absolutely. Uh, International Fight Week headliners announced UFC 239, headlined by John Jones and Tiago Santos, co-main event, Holly Holm against Amanda Nunes, Nunes defending her title against Holly Holm. Underwhelmed or overwhelmed? Where, where do you, where, what's your what's your temperature on this? Let's say zero is meh and ten is wow. Um, I needed a bigger opponent for John Jones for it to be a wow factor. I think it's a good fight. And looking at um, Santos's record, great, great UFC career has on a good win streak. But um, he's not that name that gives me the wow factor. I mean, the Holly Holm Nunez fight is great, but uh, I just think the main event with John Jones needed a bigger name for me. I'm a hundred percent with you on this. Uh, if you look at the odds, even Jones they, uh, is already like almost a nine to one favorite over Tiago Santos. Yeah, it's, it's not, not enough for fight. me. I know there was talk about Stipe, which that would have yeah, given me that, that wow. That would have got me the wow factor. Yeah. But uh, Santos, it's a um, great fight. I think he's tougher than most people. I don't think he's a nine to one underdog. I think he's got that ability to step in, not scared to get hit, close distance, hit you with power. But uh, yeah, I'm not excited. I, I'm excited for it, but not overly excited. I'm just more excited to see John Jones and how he performs rather than the fight itself. Yeah, I think that that's a good way of looking at it. And also how Tiago Santos performs, because this is a guy who has legit knockout power at all times of, in a fight um, against John Jones, who I don't think has faced that kind of power in some time. Yeah. But the, yeah. Big, the big question mark for me that has emerged from this is Daniel Cormier. I thought it would be a lock for him to be in the main event of International Fight Week, and we haven't heard his name in any sort of rumors for quite some time. So. Yeah. Uh, does this, this probably means that they couldn't get a deal worked out with Lesnar in time for international fight Absolutely. week. And it also means that maybe Cormier is still hurt. Either Cormier is still hurt because I guess if Stipe was ready to go for July, a Stipe and Cormier matchup could have been lined up. But uh, if they're holding out hope that Lesnar is going to be ready for a certain time, it's not going to be July. And uh, I'm curious about the health status of Daniel Cormier at age 40. It's it's just confusing. I I mean, we don't know what he's trying to do. I think he's been slowly trying to escape, but I think the UFC just keeps holding him on for a few more. So I don't know what his motivation is at this point anymore either. I mean, he wants out. He wants to continue to do his other things, but... I mean, can he escape the John Jones fight? I don't think he can, but I think he should, honestly. I think it, I mean, as a fight fan, I'd like to see it, but if I'm DC, I kind of want to leave being the heavyweight champ and not leaving with that, you know, bad taste in your mm-hmm. mouth of losing to jo- uh, Jones three times. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that Lesnar, the appeal of Lesnar for him, it's an easy fight. Yeah, Lesnar for, for sure. Lesnar for Cormier is an easy fight, and you're going to get one point something million pay per views, and you're going to love it, and you're going to get lots of money, and it's going to give you a. It's a great way to go out is by beating Brock Lesnar, although not really a, a guy who deserves a championship title fight. No, absolutely not. That said, who who does right now? I mean, Stipe, you could say probably because of how dominant he was as a champion, but he got knocked out by Cormier in the first Nagano round again. Francis, yeah, Francis lost his title opportunity, but I'd, I'd say he's back in the mix based on how he won those last two fights. Yeah, I mean, Curtis Blades is looking great as well. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? I mean, Blades needs to, I think, win at least one more. That's why when Blades was with Cormier, he's face-to-face with Cormier in the octagon. Cormier says, who do you want to fight next? And he says, you know, either Junior Dos Santos, Stipe, yeah, he, he or respectfully Derek Lewis. didn't mention DC, Well, because you he's know? realistic. I mean, Curtis Which Blades is a, is a smart guy. Yeah. He knows what it takes to get into the championship mix. If he would have beaten Francis, he knows he would have been there. He would have been in that, in yeah, that conversation. Yeah. But a win, you know, a bounce-back win over... Uh, Justin Willis, who's not ranked, I don't even think in the top ten in heavyweight, yeah, is not going to get to a title about that, fight. Yeah, I mean, 
He, it brought a lot of emotion out in, in Blaze, which was pretty cool to see from Willis. But uh, I just liked how respectful he was because most guys would have probably gone out there. It could have been a fun time to even call out DC. You know, almost like uh, my situation when I interviewed Nikki Holtz yeah, in the one he time. You being like, you were yeah. retired. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that could have been a little fun thing. But I just liked that he kept the class and he knew where he stood in the rankings. And, hey, earn your spot to the world title. And that's what he's doing. Are guys in glory done calling you out? Like, I, I noticed that it was... Uh... Yeah, I do it fun now. But I noticed that you didn't interview Doombay after that fight. Uh, no, it, it all depends where in the schedule it happens because okay. um depends. Sometimes they want to do some controversy stuff, so then they'll put Todd in. Um, usually if it's the end of the show, they like to do him. Uh, based on how the um, you know the play-by-play and what happens following because he has to direct the traffic, so we yeah. change. We but alternate. But is not going to be like, I want Joe. Think but we, we do fun. We have fun things. Like There's certain people who are fun. Like I'll go on and people are like, oh, who do you want to fight? And I'll tag Cedric Doombay at yeah. something. Like, oh, I want <laughs> you know the fool. And, and then we just go back and forth and having fun with it but uh yeah he's uh, he knows how to do it with fun and with respect so that those are the guys i like to play around with mm-hmm. nikki's just too serious all the yeah, time very serious very serious yeah, serious can't man. even interview the guy he's so serious <laughs> all the time so uh amanda nunez coming back earlier than expected she had said she didn't want to fight till the end of the year against holly holm uh nunez is like a minus 350 favorite in this one and that, that makes a lot of sense to me because holm's record at uh Bantamweight is not that not very good, in all honesty, if you if you look at how she's done. But she is a former champion. She did beat Ronda Rousey. And I think it is an interesting matchup from a matchup standpoint. Uh, because Holmes isn't somebody who's... I don't think Holmes ever been finished. No, Holmes is tough. She's yeah. she's really long. She she can kick and box really well. She's, she's a big threat. So, I mean, you can't really just count her out. But look at Nunez. She's a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's even... Wasn't her last fight she was talking about retirement as well? Yeah, she was saying she wants to win one or two more and then and she'll retire. But the the weird thing about it is is I think a lot of people are too fixated on win and loss records and rankings and stuff like that when they should be more interested in the matchup. And I think from a matchup standpoint, because of what you mentioned, how long home is, keeping the distance, that's an interesting matchup to me. Now, the problem with the range in that particular matchup is the best range for Nunez is like a, a longer range because yeah. she likes to hit the ball at the very end of her punch. That's where she generates the most power, and that's where Holly is going to be. Yeah, but I mean, I, I there's going to have to be times when Nunez is going to have to pressure, and I think she does a better job at pressuring in this fight. So, I mean, she's just skilled. She's got the tools to do it. So that's where I think Nunez gets it done because she can stay long and pressure. We saw her sit in the in the pocket with Cyborg and you know win the mid range exchange. So she's too good in and out. So that's where I think she gets that edge. Well, Dana says he wants her to face home, and now that that's pretty much uh, a done deal. Uh, then he wants her to fight Cyborg again. So if Nunez is able to win those two, that is one heck of a resume. Yeah, yeah. You got Tate. You got home. You got Cyborg twice and Ronda. Yeah, I don't you know if you'll ever be able to, to beat that resume. That. Yeah, I don't think anyone will. Yeah. I mean, she's just incredible. She's such an amazing athlete. Um, you know, her especially being with her, you know, sexual orientation and just it's just amazing. I mean, that's what we kind of need to see more of. She's just such a positive figure too, which I like. Well, you know, it was interesting. Ali Abdelaziz of all people uh, sent out a tweet where he was going through the weight classes and he was like, Henry Cejudo's Mexican. Uh, he'll be facing a Brazilian at 135 for the title. 145 is a, a Hawaiian. Like the diversity of the champions in the UFC at all weight classes is very. It's very cool to see because there aren't really a whole lot of sports where you see that sort of diversity of yeah. people from all over the world, Absolutely. all types of different people, different orientations, and things of that nature uh, as champions. I think that that's something the UFC should. Uh, focus a little bit more on. I think if you get a photo of all of these champions together and you point that kind of stuff out, 
you just show how international of a sport this has become. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because that's what we're looking for in kickboxing. The, the fact that you mentioned that because we do not have an American champion. Which is hard because this is where we want to build the sport. So if you don't have an American champion, it's really hard to build cards around of this this person. I mean, we've had three Canadian glory champions. We've had tons from Holland. You know, we've had, you know, a lot of Europeans, but we've never had an American. We've had Tiffany Van Soos, but she ended up losing it now twice to Anissa Mexen. But you need an American champion. And for your sport to be successful, it's got to be big in the U.S. So the, the fact that they have that diversity and can go anywhere... And even with with the Mexican community, the Mexican community is huge in the fighting. When Cain Velasquez was fighting, he had all of Mexico, you know, supporting. So I think that's where a lot of times the, the growth of the USC happened because you have champions from different regions. A former champion, Tyron Woodley, has also got another matchup lined up. Which is uh, crazy. Yeah, in, uh, He wanted in, a rematch. I know he wanted a rematch immediately, but... Uh, I don't think that's realistic, though. No. Especially when they're saying Colby's next and Askren's doing well. But I think Woodley versus Lawler, too, is very interesting. Uh, because I think that if Woodley gets another good win against Lawler, he's right back in the mix. I mean, he should be in the mix regardless of who he faces next, but that's a good matchup, and uh, I think it, it does get him back into that conversation if he's able to get another win in that same similar fashion as he did the first you time You can't think Lawler. Woodley has much more time left either. you got to well, think a couple more years. Well, that's why I think this is one that makes sense for both these guys, because they're both kind of at the tail end. They're both former champions trying to get that last uh, you know, gasp for air to, to become a champion once more. And uh, that makes a lot of sense for these two guys. Yeah. And I mean, what the scary thing could be is if Askren really is as good as he says he is and he gets his title shot, that could put, you know, a rain on the parade of Woodley trying to get another title shot in his, in his career as a champ. Yeah, but what's more impressive, though, if Askren ends up facing uh, Jorge Masvidal, as rumored, what's a more impressive win? A win over Masvidal or a win over Lawler? Probably a win over Lawler. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying, but if, if you put Askren right? wins and he beats Masvidal and then he gets his title shot against Usman, I mean, Usman's wrestling is top notch. Askren, you know, is not going to be that guy you hold down like that. Yeah. So I think you can easily have a champion in Ben Askren. Oh, for sure. Which, for sure. I mean, I wonder what that does for Woodley now at the end of his career, knowing he probably wants another crack at the title. Yeah. I think two of the two worst matchups probably for Usman right now would be uh, Askren for and, sure, and possibly Wonder Boy. Like even the Wonder Boy lost, but just in terms of matchups, again, yeah. forget these records, forget wins losses. It's all about matchups in MMA, and that's what people fail to. I think there are people that like. I think maybe the toughest matchup for Khabib might be Gregor Gillespie, who's like ranked 14th or something at lightweight. Yeah, the ability to do both things and to be a good wrestler and yeah. have... You don't need the best striking against a, a Khabib. You just need really solid wrestling basics. Yeah, some you know? way to keep it on the feet. Maybe and, some and Gillespie is as high level as it gets in terms of the grappling game in, in that division. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Even a guy like a Charles Oliveira. Like because of how good his, his submissions are off his back, mm-hmm. even for, and Ferguson, I think is also a terrible matchup. I think I think Usman would be able to close the distance on Woodley. I think he could. I think he would wouldn't on be Woodley that, or, or uh, sorry on, on Wonder Boy. Yeah. I think he's able to close that distance on him. I think he gets a good grinded win. Yeah, it's very possible. But I, I just, mean, it, it still in terms is a, of a tough matchup match. though. That's yeah. going to be tough because how do you like getting in close on a guy like Wonder Boy with that kind of power when you're a wrestling based fighter? We've seen what's happened in the past. Look at Johnny Hendricks against. Uh, Wonder Boy and how that yeah. what happened there. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, his chin holds up. That that was the first time he's ever been knocked out. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, let's, he's well, been let's... knocked down quite a bit. I mean, but we've never seen him out like that. Oh, definitely not. Well, let's transition to that one because if you look at uh, how Pettis approached that one, you've mentioned in the past, and I was all over this leading in, up to the yeah. fight that 
Uh, Duke Rufus called your fight against Raymond Daniels, yeah. which is a very similar stylistic very similar. matchup in terms of you got a Taekwondo-based fighter versus a, a karate-based fighter, uh, and you executed your game plan to perfection, and Pettis took a page out of that book. Yeah, you have to, and I mean, um, that's why everyone would, would, would ask me all the time, like, oh, if you fought Wonder Boy, it would be a tough fight. I was like, no, it wouldn't for me. It's not a tough fight for me because, one, I'm confident coming forward, and I have low kicks. So for me, a fight like that, you're going to hit me in the face? Sure. You're going to have to knock me out for me to stop coming forward. So um, that's the, the approach Pettis took. He did take some shots. His nose you know, was bleeding, but he came forward. He had to close the distance. He chopped the legs like he's supposed to with confidence. He didn't do it sitting there unsure. He went in, took a shot, and he came in with some hard low kicks, and they started adding up. In the first few rounds, you have to figure out distance. That's why that first round was really tough on Pettis. He did have to come forward, eat those shots, but he got the distance. He knew the time. Timing was there, and once you hit that leg and you go over Wonder Boy, he's doesn't ha- he's not used to blocking it because guys aren't attacking his legs like that. They're not confident enough, so his legs are weak. Like those shouldn't have hurt him. Like come on, like I mean, in, in a real kickboxing setting, like those low kicks wouldn't have hurt him. But Pettis did that perfect strategy, and you saw Wonder Boy that moment where he went even more bladed. He went even more sideways, which opened up that hook, and you can't see that hook because of that sideways stance. So great on Pettis man I mean I thought I didn't think he had the size the will I knew he was tough but I didn't think he could have done um, what he did to Wonder Boy so I'm very impressed well, if he's impressing you by implementing a similar game plan, that yeah. means he's done a good job. I mean, I thought he did good. I, I didn't say it was the perfect strategy, but, I mean, I thought it was good enough to get the win. So how do those leg leg and body strikes, which is what he was primarily throwing them, and he was throwing them off of the count, like off a counter, basically in the corner in between rounds, Rufus said, every time he hits you, go hit the legs. Yeah. Basically, just counter it with leg strikes. And how does that open up? what was ultimately the finishing strike? Well, when, when someone kicks, you have to close that distance. I mean, if you move back and let him get that space, you're never going to hit that leg because he's going to keep moving out. So what you want to do is either get him to like initiate the side kick and then move back. As soon as his foot touches the ground, then you attack again. Or you quickly close the distance. This is one of my favorites, so it's long. I'll cover my head, which I called my shield, and I crash the distance safely as possible. As I crash that distance, their reaction is to back up because they want to keep that space. As I close faster than they move out, I hit the leg. So that that's my enter for it. So, I mean, there's the different timings that you can get it at. So, I mean, you have to try to either he hits you as soon as he puts his foot down, you chop again, or you crash that distance yourself so you can get the leg. But all of a sudden, once the legs hurt, that's when you go upstairs. And the hook was the perfect one because you can't see a hook coming from the angle. It's outside of the line of vision. So it was set up perfectly. I mean, you can't beat that. And I guess one of the instincts that you have against a guy like Wonder Boy is that when he hits you, your instinct is to move back and you almost have to train your brain to move forward every time he hits you. Because that, that's what Pettis was doing. You have to. That's what, That was the key there. You hit and keep moving forward. You hit and keep moving forward. Um, that why was with one of my keys, it's toughness. you got to have that mental toughness to be able to, you know what, I am going to eat a few shots in the beginning, but I need to keep that distance close. I need to make sure that every time he punches, I kick right away. One of the strategies I mentioned with a little bit more, because the back leg is very dangerous, and I always talk about when someone stands sideways, their knees are pointing in the direction that you're kicking. 
kick goes. That's called the bladed stance, karate stance, so feet sideways. So when you kick a bladed stance, it's easy to block because the knees are there. So it was good on Pettis to get it, but a good strategy is if you actually go southpaw and then you hit the lead leg. This way it's impossible to block and you have full range on the lead leg. They can't block. With a sideways leg, they can't turn. It's too slow to turn around. So if I fought Wonder Boy, I would start orthodox, try to chop the legs, and then I would turn southpaw eventually, and then I would just go off on that lead leg. That would be the key. Absolutely. So when I was watching it, I was taking the WWJD approach. What would Joe do? Yeah. And I noticed that what, you know, when you were, if you were focusing strictly on what Pettis was doing, and uh, it looked like Wonder Boy was winning. I mean, Wonder Boy clearly, I think, won Absolutely. those two rounds. For sure. But if you watched what Pettis was doing, you know, it was, you know how they say pound the rock? Where, like, it, you know, if there's a rock, you, you, you have to pound it, whatever, a thousand times before you can break it. Yeah. That's what he was doing. He was pounding Absolutely. the rock. He was, he was chipping away at him. And uh, I could tell that he was putting in really good work. Now, all that had to happen for Pettis to lose that match was to just sustain too much damage where he couldn't continue doing that. Yeah. And it was getting there. It was getting but, there, absolutely. But Pettis, was, Pettis stayed resilient, he stayed tough, and he, and he kept pushing forward. And that's how I knew that he was still in it. Up until the end of that the second round when he landed that, he wasn't straying from the game plan. He kept moving forward. He kept getting hit. He kept getting bloodied up, and it didn't affect him. Uh, and he just kept sticking with the game plan, and that's uh, why his resilience was able to get him there. Absolutely, and and the look at the strike that he got the knockout with, it was a strike that closes distance quickly. It's not your traditional, let me sit here and throw a straight right. Your, your traditional straight right, Wonder Boy's already two feet out of that. So that's why that Superman style closes the distance quickly, and that's the way he got it. Because he was so worried about hitting the back leg, he couldn't exit a little bit, so he kind of braced himself, and then that jumping Superman, what they call that Superman hook, I mean, closes distance quick, and that's how you catch him. Because your regular strikes are too short at that point. You have to close that distance fast. And he uses the cage perfectly in, in that situation because you can enter much quickly using the leverage of the cage. They look at him, and they don't know what he's doing because it's happening so fast, and that's how he caught him. Wonderboy said in the interview with Luke Thomas on Monday, he's like, I, just, I did not see it coming. Basically, I, the, the next thing I remember after that was that I was in the back. Yeah. They didn't remember getting up, taking you pictures go. of the fans. Yeah. The next thing I remember, I was in the back and uh, was hospitalized and you know recorded a cool video from the hospital. I mean, you hate to see a guy like Wonder Boy lose because yeah, he's so nice. the nicest of the nice, yeah. Right? But, but how many times, you know. the, the way I tell people is like, how many times has he done that to others? Oh, of you course. Know? He's never so been knocked out. Even in kickboxing, the name of the, it says he's never been knocked it's the name out. Of the, that's the name of the game, you yeah. know? I mean... I mean, great on him. I, I still I don't know where his kickboxing high-level experience came from. I think it's more above-the-waist karate style, but still in a phenomenal fighter. To me, I don't know. I always think that's an easy style for me, so um, I don't look at it as this crazy puzzle that everyone does because that style walks right into my style. It's the perfect style for me to beat and make me look good. So I would find more of the, the guys who move, the guys who are more unorthodox, switching stances. That would be more of a difficult guy for me, but I hope Wonder Boy recovers, and I, I just love that the true martial artist came out. They were both respectful back and forth, and that's what the, the game is about. It shows a lot of positivity to to how much these guys appreciate the game. I'm sure the UFC are hoping he recovers, too, because they've got an event in Greenville, South Carolina, yeah. where he's from in June. In three months, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's the one he wants, He's right? going to want to headline that. They're going to want him to headline that, but he I think did say suspension. he's taking it slow. He says he's taking yeah. it slow. He says, I've never been knocked out before. I really need to assess where I'm at, and my, I need to assess my health. That's more important than and fighting I think his last Last two fights were fights that really didn't make sense, right? I mean, what was this fight before? Uh, Masvidal. Masvidal, okay. He and won that one. It was Till before that. Yeah. Okay, the Till one. Oh, sorry, it. or was it Till? I can't. 
was Till the one before that, or was Masvidal? Yeah, I think Masvidal came after Till. Okay, because I know he had a broken hand in one. Which that was his against hand, Till. Yeah, yeah, so he couldn't even use his hand as well. I mean, and now here, I mean, taking a fight with Pettis was risky because it has nothing to do probably in the welterweight division for him. So I don't know where that leaves him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm well, curious to see where they, they rank him now in, in the division. The really bad thing about his recent history is that a lot of people thought he won the second fight with Woodley. A lot of people thought he beat Till. In fact, the majority of people thought he beat yeah. Till on the cards. So he's gotten a lot of bad breaks from the judges. Like, he could have been champion. That second Woodley fight, Dana White said, I thought Thompson won. A lot of the judges, if like, I, I bet if we pull up, let's pull up MMA decisions for that second fight because I'm interested to see what people in the media thought on that night. So MMA decisions, Stephen I didn't even know this was a, a thing. So MMA decisions is basically they take a bunch of media, like a panel of media members, and they can give their uh, opinion. So Woodley defeats Thompson, UFC 209, majority decision. So, yeah, like if you look at it, it was pretty split down the middle. You got 48-47 Thompson from six judges. You got uh, 48-47 Woodley from two, 49-48 Woodley from two, and a lot of draws because not a whole lot of stuff happened. Uh, And then in the first fight, the majority draw, if you look at it, UFC 205, you still have some Thompsons in there too. Those are very close fights. So when you look, you know, and then you see Till defeats Thompson, UFC fight now 130. It's uh, overwhelmingly Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, three for Till. And that that did come after Masvidal. Sorry, so so Masvidal, Thompson beat Masvidal at 217, and then he fought Till, uh, whatever, happy six months later. So, uh, yeah, the recent history for Stephen Thompson has some bad breaks. Yeah. What does this do for Pettis now? Where do you see Pettis moving from here? Well, Pettis is in the top 10 now at 170, and I think it's up to him. I think that he can sit back and be choosy about what he wants to do next because he can get some interesting matchups at 155 probably against ranked guys, and he can sit back and get some ranked guys at 170 as well, and he can say, well, this is this is one that makes sense for me. It seems like he's in a nice position now to, to get super fights, you know? I mean, he's a martial artist that could do these kind of things. That could be fun for him. Instead of him trying to climb the rankings, he was the champion at lightweight, so maybe super fights is the way for Pettis to go. Mm-hmm, absolutely. There's a lot of good options for him, and I know he wants to get that one against RDA back, and that could happen yeah. at 170, although RDA is scheduled now. I just don't think the, the welterweight division fits his style really well. With the, the top of the division being really wrestling mm-hmm. heavy, that's going to tough for him to make his, his way up the welterweight ranks. Yeah. I mean, to go even someone with like a Colby whose wrestling's good, you know, with Woodley, I know they're teammates, so they wouldn't do yeah, anything same like with that. But same with Askren. But I mean, really wrestling heavy guys. Like, and Usman, I think Usman wipes the floor with, oh, with sure. him, you know? Way bigger than too big, too strong, too good at wrestling, pin you down kind of style. But I think the just the right matchups for him at 170 uh, would be it. But I think he has a better chance at one. 55 if he wants to climb the ranks. Also at Nashville, we saw Curtis Blades. I had a 30-25. Uh, he just dominated. Yeah, that, that was that wasn't close for even a second in that fight. And a lot of trash talking. I know he was talking back and forth, and I think there was some. Um, Willis was talking some smack about, about his dad, about his yeah. dad or something. Yeah. yeah. So he was really emotional, which was surprising well, Blades, from such I, a nice guy. I spoke to Blades as uh, coaches. I did a big piece on Blades for TSN.ca, and they said that. He, they were having trouble getting him up for the Mark Hunt fight. They said they, they, there was something with him that just wasn't clicking. He wasn't zoned in. He wasn't dialed in. And before the fight, he was in the back, and Mark Hunt and his team were doing the haka, you know, like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the rugby. Uh, and he, he was so offended. Blades was so offended by Hunt thinking that he was going to be able to intimidate him in the back by doing that that 
it died like it it made him so angry that he ran through like he he was yeah, yeah, like yeah. moving forward on hunt he it's wanted to win that fight it's funny because it's it's a, it's a mentality that you do have and when i saw that willis was doing that to him all week i was like this is the wrong guy to do this to what you want to do is make him completely disinterested in the fight yeah yeah and then he's so bored that he doesn't want to yeah, perform yeah and that's what they that's what his coaches have said about him is like it takes something to get him dialed in I mean, and and they happens. can do that without they can do that without like the help of the opponent they you know maybe they can get him going but if the opponent does that to him, that's where he that's is at his most dangerous. Yeah, I know one of his striking coaches too, which um, I got to ask him more about to see how he's doing in which training coach? and stuff. Um, his name's Sean. Okay, um, he's one of his uh, the Muay Thai coaches that cool. I know well through Glory, and he works with them. Um, but yeah, you called Curtis Blades to be one of the tops. I think yeah, last sure. year that mm. was one of your top prospects. So I'm glad to see him climbing up again. And then when he lost to Francis, you kind of you take, you take, mean, a, be- Francis, take a beat, take a beat, and then you see what he can do against Justin Wills. Is like, okay, yeah, I remember yeah. how good this guy is now. That's great. Yeah, let's hope he can, he has those chance to crack those bigger names. But like a someone like a, a Stipe could be fun. No? Again, Joe matchups, matchups, matchups. Yeah. It's important in MMA, and people overlook it. They're like, oh, this guy's ranked 14. How's he going to be the second ranked guy? So what do you think All Curtis matchups. Blades next then? What's next? Uh, well, let's pull up the rankings here. Let's take a take a little look. See, I mean, Stipe would be a really good one, and I think that's probably uh, the one that makes the most sense. But it makes most sense, but Stipe doesn't seem to want those Stipe fights. Stipe just he... wants Cormier, yeah. and I mean, if you're looking for an opponent for Cormier, what Dana White said was he thinks when Cormier comes back, it'll either be uh, Brock or Stipe. So if you if you let's say we rule out Stipe, Junior Dos Santos, very interesting opponent for Curtis yep. Blades, and one that I think okay. he could beat. Uh, Derek Lewis can be injured for a while, although he he thinks he's gonna be back surgery. in four months, but I don't know about no. that. Um, he's beaten Overeem already, and they train together now. Uh, Volkov, I think he could beat. Velasquez would be interesting because it's it's not something. And he has a win a, over over, but they're training partners now. Yeah, Overeem, he's not gonna fight again. They're the train, yeah. Um, Velasquez partners. is very interesting because you've got two similar fighters and somebody who doesn't pose the the same kind of uh, striking threat that that Francis did to Kane. It's a, it's a good fight actually to get Kane back on the map potentially yeah. by beating a guy like Blades, and that's probably where I stop. Like I, I don't yeah, think that Blades. No. Blades I like has already Santos. beaten Olenek. I like Dos Santos. I think that makes I don't a lot mind of sense. that. He called out. He said, "I want to fight Dos Santos, Lewis." Or uh, Stipe next. Yeah. And I think that those three make a lot of sense for him from a ranking standpoint. I think that Kane is a little bit dangerous for him, even though we saw what happened I to would Kane like to see. I would like to see Kane as well, though. I yeah. think that's a fun matchup. But I just read Kane is doing some wrestling yeah. now. Some pro wrestling, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure that's just a one-off while he trains, hopefully. Yeah, usually you're not allowed to do that. But I guess maybe the UFC might, might have signed off on that one. But isn't there rumors that uh, DC is going to be at WrestleMania? Maybe. He loves wrestling. He's he's gone to WrestleMania as a fan in the yeah, past. I heard there's there's talks that he might do something. We'll see. So what else uh, happened on that card? Um, anything else really worth talking about? I mean, Figueredo lost. Uh, Pena looked good. Pena looked very good against Steven Peterson. I uh, didn't make the weight, but uh, I think that he can make the weight. He was off by two and a half pounds. You can still get some adjustments. You can get down to one forty six, and he'd be a huge featherweight. Uh, but his combos looked really good. He's still pretty raw, yeah. but he's improving from fight to fight. Was, um, Macy Barber. I was going to say, very impressive. she had a, a tough first round. She yep, was eating she a lot of straight round. punches. And then um, Aldrich just, man, she was just doing well with this. Like, I, I didn't think Aldrich had the body type to do much, but mm-hmm. her boxing was sharp, man. Yeah. That she first round, she was good. Yeah, yeah I, I was very... really impressed with her in that first round until round two where Barber kind of picked it up. But Yeah. Well, that was a good too, test right? for Barber, right? Well, yeah, Barber's turning 21, I think, soon. Yeah, and she's with uh, Factory X, Mark mm-hmm. Montoya. It's yeah. a good team. So, yeah, But she's actually she kind of well. nomadic. She trains there. She also trains... Um, where else does she train? She trains the Factory X. She trains... I think with Duke Rufus as well. 
Like yes, she, she I, I, moves I saw around. something like yeah. that. I read something she like that. She moves around a lot. And I think she actually just moved to Milwaukee. So her home base is probably going to be um, with Rufus in the future. But at the same time, she can probably bounce back and forth between Factory X and Rufus. And that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an a good incredible duo. striking <laughs> camp. Yes. So uh, Macy, uh, I think the sky's the limit for her. I think that her overcoming that kind of adversity, getting dropped in the first, and then coming back, bouncing back, and getting a finish in the second, yeah, uh, a said lot. a lot about her. Yeah, and Bryce Mitchell, I'm very high on and have been for a while. I, I think I said when he was on the season of The Ultimate Fighter, even though Katona beat him, I thought he was the best guy on the show. Yeah, and you picked him as one of your picks on your parlay. I did. Unfortunately, the other half was uh, Figueredo, who uh, I kind of forgot was an alpha male, and he did not look good. Yeah, no, he didn't look great. I think he relies too much on his one-swing power. You know, where at least uh, Formiga was intelligent, had the more tools, put it that way. Yeah, well, I don't think he was doing the right thing. I, I gave Figueredo the second round because I thought he was doing a lot off off of bottom. He cut him open he cut from him bottom, open from, yeah, but I was bottom. alone on that. I looked at the scorecards that came back, and it looked like uh, yeah. the two judges, one judge gave Figueredo, I think, the first, and the other gave him the third. So did I you, was the only one who gave him the second, Did you find the uh, the crowd really booing a lot? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really appreciate it, especially with the John McDessie fight. I think McDessie, I heard a lot of boos, but McDessie did what he had yeah, to do to win. I wrote the win. same thing. I go, you know, it may not have been pretty, but he... He found a loophole yeah. in Pinedo's game and exploited and it to perfection. But that's a smart guy with yeah. experience, you know? So, I mean, I'm hoping me and McDessie have been uh, messaging back and forth on Instagram. Hopefully, he can get him at Bazooka one time. Well, he definitely subscribed to the live to the light kicks. He was, that's all he was doing. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's good. So, I mean, I'm hoping we can we train up. We hung out a little bit at the, the UFC Performance Institute. So, yeah, hopefully, if he's ever in Toronto, we get to hook up and we'll bring him on to well, show, too. Here's the thing with McDessie, though, that I thought was interesting about that fight. And I think that any fighter that has that kind of an opening where you're hitting the light kick, hitting the light kick over and over again, and the guy's not doing anything, you just keep, like, keep why would it. you do something different? Yeah. See, I, again, I what bothers me in MMA scoring right now is, one, low kicks, I mean, it happens in kickboxing as well, low kicks aren't scored enough. They're not put, there's not enough value put on a low kick. A low kick is a quick, like, a nice hard low kick could be equivalent to a hard jab, to a hard straight down the middle, landing a hook. That is what a low yeah, kick is. It's an jab, open area. You see a jab make a guy's yeah, head go back snap. like a Pez dispenser. Yeah. But when you see a low mm-hmm. kick swipe a guy's leg in and you see visible bruising and 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 you know blood clotting on the leg, that is a damaging scoring technique. Low kicks need to be scored more in all combat sports. Well, Joe, it's it's your lucky day cuz this weekend in the main we're event them. we're going to get lots of leg kicks, we're my friend. Them. I so, hope uh, so. This is a really really cra- I mean, I hope it I, doesn't I asked, negate them. I asked Helwani this this week. I said, "On paper, is this like the the most can't miss fight of the year so far?" And he was giving me all these other answers. No, uh, there's, you know, this is a title fight. It's interesting. No, no, I'm talking about just from an entertainment standpoint. Is this the This fight? is the most interesting and most fun fight they've had all year, both. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm most excited for it. Yeah. I'm more excited it's for all... it than I have been in a long time. So the big question for me here is, like, what happens? I, I Personally, I, I think that... Gaethje is going to do what Gaethje does, which is walk forward, try to get rid of any sort of distance with Barboza, because that's where Barboza has to do. Yeah. And, and that's how Barboza's lost in the past. He breaks. If, yeah. if you get too close, if you get in on him and you take away his game plan, he breaks. That being said, if Gaethje walks forward and gets hit with one of those leg kicks, yeah. that's a game changer. But uh, Gaethje's plan is to close the distance. No questions asked. And he's going to try to low kick off of that closing the, of the distance. But I think Barboza has too many tools. I mean, you're looking at heavy power punches and low kicks versus someone who he could... I think he has two UFC finishes, Barboza, with low kicks. He's got finishes to the body. He's got head kick finishes. He's got spin kick finishes. He's got some good clinch and knee and a Muay Thai background where... 
Gaethje's toughness with low kicks, and he wrestles. So I think the key is... He doesn't is, wrestle in fights, though. No, he should. <laughs> he but, knows how to. But I think that's going to be the key for, like, I mean, for Gaethje is he has to pretend to shoot. You know, he's going to have to low kick, try to sit there, pressure, close the distance. He has to fake the shoot. He's got to touch that leg, make Barboza almost flinched for that takedown, and then that's how he's going to land his power punches. But if he just tries to sit there and tries to shell up, Barboza's going to hit him and move. So that's the key for Barboza. He needs to hit, stay long, and move. Hit your low kick and move. I think the, well, I think the key for Barboza is body work because yeah. he hits those crazy roundhouses to the body on Gaethje, yeah. and that's... But watch Gaethje. how Gaethje defends. Yeah. He defends, he shells up to defend. This way he can come out and counter right away. He doesn't move. He hides behind a shell, which is great because, I mean, he stays the distance. Most guys get hit and then they back up. And at that point, the other guy backed up and you can't counter hit. So that's where Gaethje does really well. He'll sit there in a shell. He won't move backwards when you're attacking him. And then as soon as you're done tacking, he goes with the hardest low kick you've seen or he comes in with power punches. So I think that's his key. But if he threatens the takedown on Barboza where he almost kind of plants his feet and kind of goes to kind of, you know, defend the takedown, that's where he's going to have more success with the punches. Because yeah. he sh- he's going to have a hard time hitting Barboza with the punches. And Gaethje is one of the best in the game at finishing combos with a leg kick. You don't see it that often in MMA. You see it. Uh, Tom Dukin was another guy yeah. that does that. Um, but Gaethje is really prolific at getting in those punches and finishing his combos with those strong leg kicks. Now, Barboza is more of a one-strike guy. He, he doesn't do a, yeah, he's a whole lot hit of combos. And move. Yeah. yeah. What do you call Barboza? Like, if Gaethje's a volume striker, is, is Barboza a power striker? I would say he's more of a power kicker. Yeah. I would say more of a power kicker. I'm trying to think of how you classify a guy like that. I'd say he was more. Uh, what I appreciate is uh, I love kick fighting. So uh, Barboza can kick fight pretty good. If I'm fighting Gaethje, I mean, it's hard because I don't know what tools these guys have in the camp. But traditionally, you fight Gaethje, who's a shell guy who comes forward. That's, per, that, that's kickboxers. We see that all the time. We've seen it in like I can give you the names of Nikki Holtzkin. We see it in Jason Wilness. We see it in, in tons of, well, the, the, best of the best Dutch guys. fighters. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they all fight that way. So how do you beat that style? Front kicks. Front kicks, angles, movement. That's the easiest thing because they come in a straight line. And when you defend, they, they, they defend in a high shell. So you use pins and angles. If you, a, a good kickboxing fight to watch is watch Nikki Holtzkin versus Cedric Dumbe. Angles, hitting up, moving. You don't sit there in, in there to let them counter off because they shell up to counter. So you hit them. As they go to counter, you move. You create an angle. You, you try to jab on an angle. You don't just sit in the mid-range and exchange. So if Barboza has the tools, he's using front kick straight attacks and moving on angles so looking at that main event if you were to make a well i don't want you to make a prediction let's scratch that let's say you are gaichi and you are barboza yeah what is your best path to victory and who do you think is going to be able to implement uh, implement that more easily? I think Barboza implements it more easily. Um, I think the experience and I think his length plays a big factor. Uh, Barboza, like I mean, you just mentioned, has to he does have to change levels. I mean, you got to think Gaethje's expecting low kicks, so that's when you go low kick, body kick. His left kick to the body, Barboza is vicious. So one of my favorite techniques, if you if someone's expecting a right low kick, you go left kick to switch kick to the body because they're really waiting to block it so you take it to the other side and you attack with your left kick uh, front kicks left kicks and then when you're ready you do level changes with your right kick hit the body I would if I'm Barboza I don't go into punch range I wait to the later rounds because I'm gonna kick and move hit the low kick circle and move hit the kick circle and move where Gaethje the key is 
cage control. He has to track Barboza. He can't let Barboza hit and move. The key is to try to get Barboza moving against the, the cage, and then this way Barboza can't exit. So cage control and pressure for Gaethje. And I think for Gaethje, I think a good key is for him to hit the body too. Punch the body. Barboza's head is really tall. It stays long. Hit the body. Hit the legs. And then try to... You know, try to fake those takedowns and then go to the punches upstairs. How long do you think this fight can realistically last? Um, I think it's going to go the distance. Five rounds? Wow. Well, that would be a treat. I think it's five (laughs) rounds. Wow. Well, you should bet on that because it's like five to one to go five rounds. Yeah. I mean, both power strikers. And I think when you get two power strikers, there is a little bit of respect. There's always a little bit of respect. So they're going to respect each other's power. I think the first few rounds, you're going to see a lot of movement. Barboza is going to be smart. Um, I I think both of them understand the five rounds that they're going to have to pace themselves. It's different. When you do five rounds, you're not going to go out in that first round like you've traditionally seen and you're going to, you know, expend all your energy. It's going to be. I feel like Gage is going to do that, though. You think so? I feel like Gaethje doesn't think about this kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of, (laughs) you know, pressure on him to adapt. I think there's a lot of pressure for him to see his wrestling. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for the takedown. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be a good plan. And Gaethje has said that if it's there, maybe he'll do it. But his mindset is not to do that. But, I mean, that's what he's telling Barboza, too, right? So Barboza is going to expect it. He's going to go for the takedown. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a a development. I think we're going to see him really mix a takedown. I think that's going to be the key for him. Well, some other things to watch on that card. Uh, the debut of Sabina Mazzo, who I'm I'm very high on. If you've seen her fights in LFA, uh, she's, she looks really, really good. And there's a prop on this particular card for Mazzo. Inside, or Mazzo by TKO is like plus 510. And uh, really? she's fighting Moroz, who is a smaller strawweight that's moving up to yeah. flyweight. I follow her on Instagram. Who, Moroz? Yeah. Yeah, she's we very follow good. Each other. But she's never been stopped. But that doesn't mean that Sabina Mazzo is not going to be the, the one to do it. That's one that I think you should take a look at. Perfect. Um, Mark De La Rosa against Alex Perez is an interesting one because Perez is moving up to bantamweight as well. But we've seen what Alex Perez can do, and I think that Mark De La Rosa is one of the uh, the lower level guys at bantamweight, but is still very good. Yeah. So that's that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Ray Borg against Casey Kenny interests me because Casey Kenny fought like a uh, six days ago. Really? He fought last Friday and won his second championship in LFA. Got this fight on very short notice, obviously, and. Uh, He's going to go against Ray Borg at bantamweight, and that's uh, interesting. So Casey is the— And this is Ray Borg's first fight back? Since uh, Since his son's issues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's his first fight back since then. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kenny, he's been scheduled to fight a couple times, and things have fallen through. He was supposed to fight Benavidez, I think it was late last year, and that fell through. Uh, Kenny just won his second title. He won the bantamweight, interim bantamweight title in LFA. He was the interim flyweight champion as well, and uh, he'll take on Ray Borg, and that's an interesting one. Because you're going to see a guy uh, against a really high-level opponent in Ray Borg off short notice. But Kenny's also pretty high-level himself. Uh, Kevin Holland is somebody who I'm quite high on, and he's taking on Gerald Mearshart, who's a, a solid solid opponent. Uh, Kevin Aguilar, another guy, a former LFA champion against Barzola. That's going to be a probably more of a point-fighting uh, affair. I think that one, going the distance, is almost a no-brainer. Um, Ross Pearson? Ross Pearson, the real deal. He's a big yeah. underdog against Desmond Green, and that one I don't understand. I know Pearson's had, again, matchups. Yeah, People aren't looking at... Uh, the matchup here. They just see Desmond Green has won a couple and that Pearson has lost a couple. But I think from a matchup standpoint, if this stays striking, Ross Pearson's going to have a very good advantage and as like an almost 4-1 to underdog is worth a look. But Desmond Green does have uh, more of a wrestling pedigree. Yeah, more of a wrestling pedigree. But so that's probably where the, he's going to have to take the fight. But yeah. if Pearson hits you, you're out. 
Pearson's yeah, got well, that, Pearson, that big yeah, bomb power. He does have big power, and he's also good uh, at, you know, if it stays standing for three rounds, I think he can win a decision. Um, Jessica Aguilar against Marina Rodriguez. <laughs> Jessica Aguilar just hasn't shown me much. I was quite high on her uh, when she was back in the World Series of Fighting, the champion there. She came to the UFC and I had high hopes for her. She just hasn't lived up to uh to the expectations. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf against Shaman Reich. That's a really, really good one at the featherweight division uh, because Yusuf, uh, like another individual in the card, Kennedy and Zuchuku, are two of the the big up-and-coming Nigerian fighters. And you just saw how uh, Usman won the title. These guys, I think, are two of the next big things in their respective divisions. Yusuf has looked very impressive. And uh, Nzuchuku has great length, and he's taking on Paul Craig. So th- these are ones to watch. Watterson versus Kovalkiewicz is a very good uh, matchup. I think uh, Kovalkiewicz has a pretty good advantage on the feet. But yeah. Watterson's been overachieving lately. She's been looked really, really good. Um, and then you've got Michael Johnson, Josh Emmett, David Branch, Jack Hermanson. Uh, two very good fights there. I think that if Josh Emmett loses against Michael Johnson... That's gonna be like one, like one of six or seven guys from Alpha Male that have lost this year. Yeah, and uh, it will be very, very uh, interesting to see what Emmett can do. Uh, on paper, he should be the big favorite here. Who? Um, Emmett. It's a even money thing, really. Even money. So we'll see. Michael, Michael Johnson. Johnson Michael Johnson. Fight. Yeah, he Michael Johnson's always. He never southpaw, looks lost. He scraps. Yeah. So I think the southpaw could could make it a, a tough night for Emmett. Yeah, and he's got you know good kicks on boxers behind him you know now they got van roosmal in training full-time there at the hard knocks camp yeah uh, you mean and and he they have videos of the two of them scrapping so if it's going to be emmett's going to have to be a little bit more strategic mixing in the takedowns against michael yeah absolutely so uh our tally to date i'm at 86 dollars and 50 cents you're at 133 dollars and 50 cents uh we both lost yep. this past week on our last fights too yeah we had parlays and we we're close yeah you had uh steve wonderboy thompson curtis blades and mcdessie and mcdessie yeah so you hit those first two I and then the thompson, first two thompson and then i got down. let down so uh and i had uh davison figueredo who lost and uh bryce mitchell who won and bryce mitchell was an underdog so i, I probably should have just taken mitchell but uh, and not not gone for the uh, parlay chalk. But uh, I'm going for parlay chalk again this week, oh, Joe. Oh, oh, but why don't oh. you go ahead with uh, with who you like? Well, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna keep it pretty easy. I think um, I like Karolina uh, Kolakiewicz. I think her length um, is just gonna be a lot of problems for Watterson. I think it's gonna be hard for Watterson to get anything really off. So I'm gonna go with Karolina. Um, I'm gonna see. I don't know if I want to parlay it or not. But uh, minus one forty, minus one forty. Yeah. Okay. Let me, I'm gonna go. Let, let me stick to my guns. I was really positive on Edson Barboza. Okay. Let me go Barboza and uh, Carolina. Okay. What does that uh, put me at? Let me see. So Kovalkiewicz and Barboza. So Barboza Kovalkiewicz is plus. It's basically two to one. We'll just go with two to one. Perfect. And uh, for me, I'm going with uh, Sadiq Yusuf, and then parlaying him with Sabina Mazo, and that's plus one seventy eight. So there that's, we go. Uh, that's going to be my go-to. I was thinking of just going Mazo, but eh, let's let's try that. Let's try to chip away. I'm I'm going the uh, the Joe uh, my last the Joe year. from last week that yeah. last year that did, never uh, ended up working out. So uh, let's let's take a look at the updated odds also for 237. I want to get your uh, your feeling on this because Shevchenko is minus 1300 against Jessica I. E. Yeah. Yeah. She's a bigger favorite against I than she was against Priscilla Cachuera, which is interesting to me. Uh, Marlon Rice minus 180 against Cejudo. Cejudo plus 150. That's probably about right, just because you have to think that Cejudo moving up the weight class against one of the top guys at 135 yeah. might be uh, Yeah, I'm curious about that fight. I'm very curious about that fight. 
I'm so curious about it. And hearing the confidence that Marias has, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I don't know. That kind of swayed me a little bit more because when I first heard of the matchup, I was all Henry Cejudo. But now with uh, Marlon talking as confidently as he is, I mean, it's, it's kind of swaying me a little bit more 50-50. Yeah, I like Marlon in that one, but we'll, uh, we'll see how that line looks. Uh, John Jones minus 850 against Tiago Santos, mm-hmm. plus 520. That's probably where it should be. And uh, Amanda Nunes minus 355, big favorite over Holly Holm at plus 265. Yeah, I so can see that, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's probably about where it should be also. It's similar to where, like, what was, uh, what was Holm when she was against Cyborg? Let's take a look. What did she open up against Cyborg? Because that's probably a more accurate So she was, yeah, she was plus 300 against Cyborg, which is probably, again, about where it should be. Uh, So there you go. That is uh, how that one is shaking out. And we've got, uh, yeah, that's that's the next card that will be, uh, sorry, the next card after this will be UFC 236. We've got an off week, Joe. Are you you doing glory in the first week of April? Uh, first week of April, I'm off to do a coaches seminar oh, in right. California. You mentioned this to me. That's yeah, great. I'm in a CSA gym in uh, Dublin, California. They have uh, a lot of good fighters. Cyborg actually trained there for her last fight. Um, they have um, Feely there, Touchy Feely. They have Jessica Rose Clark. They have Gaston Bolaños. They had, at one point, Gina Carano, Kevin Ross. So a lot of big names from that gym, and they're doing a lot of good things. They have um, Dustin, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jacoby? No, that's... Um, Poirier? Who was he? Where's he fight? Uh, UFC. Featherweight. UFC featherweight. Dustin. Uh, hmm. Dustin Ortiz? Dustin Ortiz. Well, he's not there anymore. He's got like... A, he was a flyweight. He's moved a little bit. Flyweight? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, but they have a bunch of guys, so I'm excited. I, I, I did a little coach's clinic there last year, and so I'm doing it again. So cool. it'll be it's nice to, to go out there and meet a lot of the coaches and a lot of the different... I'm, I'm actually coaching with... Um, Brain freeze. Mark Delagrati. There you go. Yeah, cool. Mark Delagrati. All right. UFC 236, looking ahead to that one. This this card just does not have a lot to offer outside of the top two fights. It seems like that well, every time they go to, like, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, but this is Atlanta. Oh, they moved that one. They're doing that one in Atlanta. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I don't know about this one. Even the prelim card that's going to be on ESPN, like, there's nobody on the prelims that people are going to have heard of. If you're at a bar and you turn... This is the, the, the thing that messes me up about these prelim cards for the pay-per-views. And they did the same thing with Australia. You've got to think about the bar patron. Because ESPN's on every TV. And I thought, like, 235 had Diego Sanchez on ESPN. Like, that makes a lot of sense. If you haven't been watching in 10 years, you're like, wow, you say, Diego oh, Sanchez is still doing still it. still there, yep. Yeah, like, those are the kind of names that I think that they need to start looking more at... Uh, the prelims, and they've got a, a Lord of the Flyweights competition. Wilson Hayes versus Alexandre Pantoja. Have you heard of my Lord of the Flyweights? There you go, Lord of the yeah, Flyweights. It's like, yeah, it's like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> I should have just called it Lord of the Flies, but there whatever. You go. Because that's what it is. They're trying to kick everybody off the island. Jeez. Yeah, it's a rough go if you're a flyweight right now in the UFC. It's actually pretty upsetting to see. Uh, but and last week's fight between um, uh, Figueredo and uh, why am I having a brain fart now? Near the end of the show. Yeah, well, it's Figueredo and uh, Formigia. Formigia, That didn't do the flyweight division any favors. But there still seems like there's talk about it staying alive, though, for a few more fights at least. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And even Dana White said he wants to do Benavidez against uh, Formigia uh, at UFC 238. Although he did say that's so that, you know, someone can step in for the, if anything happens with Cejudo and Marais, but that's a bantamweight, so it's very confusing. Yeah, who knows? All, All very confusing right now. But the... I'm interested to, to see what happens with Cormier. Seems like there's uh, nothing going on in the heavyweight division right now at the, at the top. Yeah, it's been quiet. Yeah, so I, 
We'll have to see. I think August you're probably going to see um, Covington versus Usman. And if you go weight class by weight class, like a lot of uh, a lot of the real estate is taken up right now. Um, but uh, there you have it. That's uh, that's all for us today. We've talked about all the uh, the big news. Anything break while we were sitting here? Let's see. Anything we, anything we, we should react to? Um, no, I think we're good. All right, let's uh, let's call this one. Uh, next week we'll be back. Are you here next week? Uh, or when do you, when do you leave I leave California? on a Thursday, so it'd have to be before Thursday. Okay. Yeah, we can make that work. All right. So next week, Joe and I we're going to uh, break down UFC 236. Uh, in Atlanta, we're going to talk about everything that's been going on. We're going to recap this uh, Philadelphia card, and I'm sure Joe will have his take on how this played out and why Barboza and Gaethje ended like it did, mm-hmm. or not ended, or go- went the distance, because yeah. you're, that's your prediction. I kind of, yeah, watch. Two tough guys, good strikers God, going we, the distance. We would be very lucky if that went the distance, as a, as a viewer at home. Could be, unless they all go in the first three rounds and leave it all out there, then four and five, they just sit there and gassed out, yeah. so we'll see. I've got a good nickname for Justin Gaethje, Mr. Saturday Night. That's what Mr. I want to Saturday call Night? Yeah. yeah. Why is that? Well, because on Saturday nights, he's almost always the main event of uh, television cars, and he's the guy you want to see. He's the guy, Mr. Mr. Saturday, Mr. Saturday Night. Night. I'm all right yeah. with that. Yeah, it was, a, it was also a Billy Crystal movie back in the day, Mr. Saturday Night. Mr. Saturday yeah. Night. So right. there, there you go, Mr. Saturday Night, Justin Gaethje. He doesn't have a nickname right now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coin that. And uh, maybe people start writing, calling uh, him that like they're calling Karolina Kovalkiewicz the Polish princess because someone asked her about, oh, how did you get the nickname the Polish princess? She's like, I, that's I'm not my never nickname. Had and that's nickname. what they have it on the UFC site. I'm good with the Polish so princess. If, you're, if you work for UFC.com and you want to start coining Gaethje as Mr. Saturday Night, feel free. There uh, you go. Joe, thanks for this. We'll be back next week with uh, our take on what happened between Barboza and Gaethje and the rest of UFC Philadelphia. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.